everyone and welcome to By Association. I'm Emma Hooper and this is a bonus episode together with my best friend this time around. So Maurice is away on holiday and so I've brought in my best friend Mary Hood who is also the brand partnerships and PR manager at Margravine. Um, they describe themselves as next generation management designed for creative talent. Um, Mary is based in London. Uh, we both used to live in the city together before I moved to Amsterdam. Uh, she's 27 and she's fantastic at her job. Uh, we actually met, I think it was about seven years ago, wasn't it, Mers? I think it must have been yeah. about seven years ago now. Um, yeah, when we were both doing marketing for a Upper High Street brand that no one really over this side of the world seems to know about, but it's called Hobbs. Um, and yeah, the best way to describe it is everyone's mum really likes it and Kate Middleton wears it. That's that's how I talk about it in interviews and that's probably the best description. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mary, tell us a little bit about the work you do and your experience leading up to where you are now. I know that you've worked to lots of different places and done lots of different things with and without me. Yeah, so this is really exciting. <laughs> so excited to be on your podcast. Um, but yeah, I look after brand partnerships and PR for a roster of digital talent at Margravine. I've been there since January. Um, it's the first time I've really taken on PR for talent rather than products. Um, and it's really, really good. I like working with different personalities rather than just your standard fashion and lifestyle products. But um, yeah, I was previously in-house at fashion and lifestyle brands, managing their influence marketing and PR. So it's quite nice to transfer those skills over to a more people-based job. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always been something you've had to deal with, I suppose. Like you've always been in PR and like working with people alongside brands. But I think we were saying the other day, actually, because we met up on the weekend and we were talking about how it's really nice that you can now really focus on this like real personal value within the other side of it, right? Like the person to the brands yeah, exactly. rather than the other way around. Yeah, exactly. It's more interesting as well because you're pitching a personality and everyone's obviously completely different and has different talents and niches within our roster, especially. So yeah, it's definitely more fun. You're definitely more motivated in the day-to-day -day job. But, yeah, um, and it feels and less commercial, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. People are definitely more interested to hear about what you've got to say because it's about individuals. And I think human nature is we all take an interest in each other and what we're up to. So, yeah, it's definitely a bit more interesting. Nice. So with that in mind, there's quite a nice segue over to some of the topics that we'll discuss today. So the the kind of the, the same We'll, we'll keep to the same routine and we'll we'll go through some stuff that's quite up to date news wise and things that we found quite interesting to speak about but because it's Mary and I we thought we'd keep it to a bit more of a direct feminine focus um so these are often talks that we'll have together anyway over whatsapp or in person um if we're both in the same country so we're not going to hold back and I think it's it's quite important to just really go for it and um, yeah, share our opinions on these stories. So a lot of these things are very feminine focused. Um, there's some things that lend to branding and design and sustainability, but for the most part, I think um, there's always a, a little bit of a feminine edge to most of these stories that we pulled together. So the first one is um, streetwear brand Rose in Good Faith have created shoes from recycled sex toys. 
has sustainability gone mad or is this pretty genius? I think Mary could probably say that I would definitely be a fan of this kind of vibe. This is definitely something that I'd love. Um, so it's no, it's no surprise. <laughs> this was one that yeah. I brought out. So yeah. <laughs> And then the second story is the UK government have now decided to remove additional NHS IVF barriers for single women and same sex couples. So this is something that's come about, I think it was last week that they announced all of these different changes and um, a bit of a societal report for healthcare with women. So that'll be a really nice, um, yeah, very interesting. It obviously touches on a lot of different points throughout women, healthcare, uh, the UK, and how we look at those things. And again, how we can make it better or how it should have been done before. So yeah, there's some really interesting points on IVF in particular that we're going to talk through. Um, and then, so really, sorry. I was just going to say, it's also really nice to have some positive news come out of the UK government rather than <laughs> all the negative we've had recently. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nice for it to be a bit female focused for once is a good thing. Exactly. And then the third one is holistic healers on TikTok want you to quit birth control. So this is obviously something that Mary works quite heavily in, um, not birth control or holistic healers, but um, more so the, the TikTok side of things would be something that we both work among. But I suppose that's that's quite an interesting um, kind of very obvious point for Mary to focus on too with comments. So let's go to our first story um so if i'm going to explain it in the easiest way it's it's really not that hard to understand i think it's fantastic um la based brand rose in good faith have partnered up with doc johnson which is a sex toy manufacturer to use recycled plastic from sex toys apart from the cork inside the entire shoe that they've crafted together is made from unused unused damaged <laughs> sex toys so they've been damaged but they've not been used so they kind of been used that well <laughs> for a start yeah exactly. <laughs> and then yeah although this could be seen as an effort to reduce plastic waste so we think this is a very sustainable obvious great thing for the environment the eva foam used in the shoes base is actually made from petroleum um, so that means that it would survive in landfills for up to a thousand years and that also means that rose in good faith shoe doesn't actually directly reduce the amount of plastic that ends up in waste um, but more so kind of uses it for better goods so the campaign was really powerful um, it's, it's quite a kind of nike-esque um, traditional poster style campaign that they've done it's very similar to their 80s posters that they put together kind of annotations um, there's one in particular that i really like that says stop fucking mother nature um, <laughs> And yeah, Mary, what are your thoughts? I know I love this, but I'm sure that you love it too. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you snapped yours up straight away. <laughs> I have actually. Hungry. I have actually. I bought one. Yeah, but it's super cool. It's a super innovative um, campaign and idea um, about like reusing products. But also it's a great story in terms of PR, like you're going to get loads of press interested in the story. It obviously is going to get people's attention on social media, especially the design of it as well. It's very like Yeezy kind of style. So obviously it's going to be a big story for people to look at. But I feel like especially where you said about the shoes base is made from petroleum. 
it's like really how sustainable is this or is it like verging on becoming a bit of greenwashing because you're saying you're reusing materials and products that haven't been used but once you've got petroleum involved like really how green and sustainable are you um and are you really just creating more waste rather than reusing products that would necessarily go to waste yeah exactly and it kind of looks like maybe almost glamorizing that side of it like some people would look at it like oh making a luxury item of something that's causing so much problem in the world and okay it's made from sex toys that are somehow damaged without being used but um yeah it just doesn't doesn't seem like a the most obvious authentic kind of move for a brand and they haven't done stuff like this before so from what I can tell this is their first step into it and it's a pretty bold one right yeah exactly I feel like a lot of brands get it wrong as well because they think that being sustainable just is down to the product you're using and like the materials you're using when really it's a whole circle thing like it's about who how much you paying your workers that are making this like um who are you selling it to like what um, websites are they going to be stocked on like if you're going to then go on places like you know like the Amazons and things like that like it all is a big circle kind of big picture like rather than just being like oh I've used some unused sex toys like it's it's a bigger pitch than that you can't just be sustainable because you've used an unused product it has to be like a whole full circle situation yeah definitely I think it's really interesting how you pull up on the PR element of it as well like if you think about why they've chosen to use sex toy plastic, it's clearly for that PR element, right? To get those like headlines, yeah. that kind of shock value. Um, and it's really also quite interesting what you say about like that circularity and how it has to touch point everything. Um, I know a friend of ours, Renee, and I've mentioned her before on the podcast. Um, she has a upcycling luxury brand. And one of the things that I was always kind of going back and forth with her talking about this when we were consulting um but when I was consulting with her is how really it is even though she's based on sustainability it's extremely difficult to be completely sustainable in every aspect like you mentioned like all the touch points um yeah overall yeah I think it's like where you've got to ask more questions when you have things like this it's like where are they making these products like who's making them um what what transport are they using to ship these into like stores and stuff like it's way more of a bigger picture than just and questions than just are we you we're reusing some products that would have gone to waste otherwise yeah exactly and it it just made me think actually about la perla um we when i was there we first started to kind of talk about ways that we could use old materials um, or try and build ourselves to kind of take that those first few steps into sustainability as a luxury brand and one of the things that we looked into was taking our swimsuits and making them out of uh, I think Pharrell did this with a brand and I can't remember which one it was but it was like taking plastic out of the oceans and then making some some sort of garment out of it. But what we actually found oh, yeah. when we were consulted over this process, just kind of from a, a pure product perspective at that point, at that very kind of start point, was that you actually take plastic out of the oceans, but then what do you do? You swim to make these swimsuits, but then you swim in the ocean wearing these swimsuits or you wash your yeah. swimsuit in the washing machine. And eventually those yeah. tiny fibers just go back into the ocean. 
so it's circular yeah, exactly. but in the wrong way right so yeah yeah exactly yeah my friend monica she started her own label monica the label and she's literally thought of every single detail that she could possibly think of to make it sustainable like all the clothes are made out of a material that's made of recycled plastic bottles and she sells on her website bags like I think they're called guppy bags that you put your products in to wash them in the washing machine so you don't lose any of those microplastics into the washing machine and then her buttons are made of coconut or like some kind of nut that's like dyed with like uh, water-friendly fabric um dye and then she makes them all in London so she doesn't travel far to get them made like she literally thinks of everything and I think that's kind of the future of where fashion should be like brands should be making all of those decisions and taking the time to think of where they're investing their money rather than just being like we're going to use recycled cotton like that really doesn't mean anything these days yeah it's about that circularity yeah and definitely like when you've got all these historic brands like I mean even thinking about La Perla for an example like that's one of the oldest lingerie brands in the world you know and like has obviously got a huge history behind it of making lots of mistakes then you've got these newer brands that are coming out and are either basing their entire collections or everything they do on this as an ethos or yeah you know they they haven't got the backing of all the bad stories and stuff that's happened before either so I think there's going to be a wave of new uh, sustainable focused brands like this in fashion don't you I think so I think if you start a brand these days those are the things you have to be asking yourself like you can't really bring a brand out these days without making it sustainable because what's the point Mm. like it's those big fast fashion brands that don't really care and it's all about you know the bottom line and being cheap but I think if you're an independent label coming into like the mainstream, you need to be thinking about those things because a lot more people are invested in it than they were before. Yeah. And it's questions people consumers are definitely asking. Exactly. It's it's almost impossible now without it, definitely. Um yeah, there's there's quite a few brands that I think could definitely do a lot more as well. Like you see a lot of them quite weakly kind of get getting on the back of it. I think now People are hiring sustainability directors and are really starting to like kind of educational wise from, like you said, within and outside um, these old or like kind of archaic ways of working and and people within the business are being replaced with newer, more, you know, younger, more, more sustainability focused stuff. If um, I th- like just thinking about it, it's a totally random question, but if this brand um came to you and said would you put any of your people um from the agency in these would you would you kind of jump at the chance or would you question it how how would you think about that or would you think oh yeah I know a couple of people that would love to work on this kind of thing does Um, it appeal to you from that side or not we kind of have to take our own personal opinions out of it because it's we're working for other people rather than it being about us but a lot of our roster is very focused on being um, accepting jobs with more sustainable brands. Like that's kind of, especially in fashion, majority of our roster want to work with people that are taking steps and being more sustainable. Like they don't want to work for those really fast fashion brands anymore, which I think is a real positive. Um, but yeah, they're definitely those kind of things are definitely being considered when we do deals with brands. 
Yeah, it's good. That's really good. Yeah, it, may, it makes total sense as well. And I suppose a lot of them are a bit younger as well. So then naturally they they think that way as well, which is great too for society, right, overall. Yeah, exactly. They've grown up knowing about climate change and global warming and all that. So they definitely are a bit more conscious with the decisions they make in their in their shopping and stuff. Nice. Well, I think we'll go on to story two. Um, this one's probably going to be quite an extensive one for us to talk about. I'm sure that both of us, like we've got a lot of people this affects that are close to us and probably a lot of personal stories as well that can come off the back of this. But same sex couples and single women now have less barriers to IVF on the NHS. So under the current rules, heterosexual couples can access NHS funded fertility treatments once they've demonstrated that they've been trying to conceive naturally for a period of time. I think that's always been the case with this since it came about. Um, however, single women and female same-sex couples are now required, well, at the moment before this passed, were required to pay for artificial insemination privately. It's just so unfair, right? Which can cost thousands of pounds um, to prove that their fertility status is able to happen before they could even be eligible for NHS-funded fertility treatments. The average cost of a current cycle for insemination is 1,600 Great British Pounds, and it takes up to seven cycles for the, at the moment with the current average to achieve fertilization. So the change in the rules um, is part of this women's health strategy published last Wednesday that we spoke about. There's a lot of things kind of within and outside of um, the NHS and with women's health. And of course, it adheres mostly to the UK. Um, but for the part that we're focusing on, it means that female same-sex couples and single women as well. So you don't necessarily have to have a partner to want to have a baby. Um, just remember that will no longer need to privately fund rounds of artificial insemination before being eligible for NHS fertility treatments. So why didn't this pass a bit sooner? This is something that we're kind of realizing. I, I didn't realize this was the case. I didn't think there was any kind of uh, like against this, this, uh, these kind of subsets of society. I didn't realize that it went that deep into stuff, but I know you've spoke about some books and, and things that you've read, Mary, as well, that have really shown you exactly how the patriarchy takes over and um, a lot of things that we don't even realize are the case, right, in, in female reality. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like until you, don't, you go through these issues yourself, you don't really know that they're there. It's not until, like, obviously people, women have gone to get fertility treatment and they don't realize that there's all these barriers for them to get it. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's a book by Caroline Criado Perez called Invisible Women, which is basically about all the barriers that are put up towards women um, in everyday life, even from things like seatbelts are modeled on a male body rather than a female body. And like um, stab vests for the police force are modeled on men rather than women. So they don't fit a woman's chest with her breasts and whatever oh my like, god how serious yeah it's literally wild everyone should read this every woman should read this book because it will just make you angry and it'll make you stand up it's really good but I looked at the back of it doesn't it say something like even a mobile phone is made the wrong size for your hand or something yeah literally everything 
it's wild even so it's like, even more like later things as well like yeah it's even modern day yeah. stuff so it's things like um tfl have did before so they had um a blanket kind of i think it was you got charged every um journey you made on tfl um and basically it, that hindered women because women have to are more likely to do the school run uh, more likely to go out and get the groceries um so they end up doing more journeys than a man that just goes to and from work so i think it was sadiq khan brought in this um cap on the tfl journeys where you can only if you're in zone one to six or something like that that you can only you only get charged seven pounds or something a day or there's a certain cap that they put on it so it actually helped women in that in the long run so yeah it's crazy it's just overlooked isn't it with everything and everything exactly. it's not it's not even like things that are just made for both of us it's just purely most of the time just not even considering women right exactly. yeah we're always second best yeah it's, it's really it's, it's quite shocking actually and I'm going to read that because I have got a copy of it but I've never read it it's one of those ones that I had and then had on a holiday but never actually saw it through so when you mentioned this I was like oh I'll have a quick look, but I didn't have time to read it, but I'll definitely yeah. have a look. It's one of those books as well you can dip in and out of because it's like different chapters are on different issues and things. And it's all for, for women all around the world. It takes in all different countries and their laws and regulations and stuff. So it's definitely an interesting read. Nice. And I think like one of the other things that I found interesting is, I don't know why, but maybe this is something that's like in our minds, we always think we're less. So like... When I looked up the percentage populations of men and women in the UK, it's actually 51% women in the UK overall. And in London, it's even higher in comparison and ratio. But I don't know why. I just immediately thought we would have, I don't know, 40% or less. That's just immediately my mind just thought, oh, we're we're obviously going to be way below 50%. I know it's only 51, but it's just funny how your perceptions are immediately backwards, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's about the environments you're in as well. Like especially London, I feel like you're surrounded by loads of men on like the tube and stuff, and you automatically think there must be more men around. But actually, it's completely opposite. Yeah, that's true. I mean, why do you think this hasn't happened sooner? Like, because this this seems to me like something that was almost purposely thought out, like to not help single women and same-sex couples because I would have just assumed I know that we've just said there are a lot of things that go against women but I would have thought that it wouldn't even be considered it would be a woman having a baby and if she struggles then that's that you know and and then she's up for IVF not different with her circumstances to this degree it feels a bit strange to me I feel like it's definitely more because more women are being voted in in parliament and in local government and it definitely makes a difference because these are the issues that we're interested in and these are the, these are why women are being voted into parliament because they're going to do something about women's health about family about education and care because it affects them um and i think to reduce this gender health gap that we have in the uk and europe and everywhere really it's about getting people into power that are going to do something about it like you need to read what people stand for when you vote for them in. You can't just be like, oh, you know, I vote this party or that party. You need to actually see what people believe in. And that's how change comes. Um, and, you know, people have gone on protests and really stood up about it recently. 
So it definitely, the more you shout about it, the more you're going to get heard. Yeah. And and I've seen like a huge focus on education as well. And like, that's obviously where it all starts and how this can really be implemented into schools is quite an interesting factor. And so, so important is about solving what we have now, but then thinking about the future as well. Right. Because these people will be then setting the rules and the impressions and impressioning on other people um, in years to come. So education is a big one for it as well. I'm trying to think like in school, if there was anything that I feel really stands out that might be in that book. Was there anything from like, like schooling in that book or like young children or girls? Can you remember or not? I can't really remember to be honest. I bet there's so many things. things. It's like every page you read, you're like shocked because you're like, well, I didn't even realize this happened. Like there's so much that goes on that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, I'm definitely going to read it. Um, And something interesting as well about that population as well was how that's actually increased slowly. Um, The ratio between men and women has actually increased by around 0.3% average every year since the very early 1960s. So it's like baby boom happened and progression and women got more rights and obviously the pill and all that kind of stuff came around and then a bit more freedom and more women which is always a good thing I think <laughs> it would be a nicer place if it was full of women <laughs> yeah my, my dad actually said to me you'll find this funny we were um we were at their house a couple of weekends ago and my dad was like you know what I'm thinking about all of these politicians and everyone that's coming in and people are talking because obviously Boris Johnson's gone out now he said, yeah. the world would be a much, I, I can't do a Bristolian accent that well until, until I've had a few glasses of wine. <laughs> but um, he said, the world would be a much better place if women ruled it. And I thought, yeah, it actually, it really would. For um, sure. For sure. As long I as they're not Margaret Thatcher, then yeah, I think that'd be great. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you can have ambitious women, but at the same time, like, women understand, like, they just have a bit more empathy, like... Obviously, some women probably don't, but I feel like women get it. Like, we all kind of go through the same issues and people have children. Women have children. They, like, know how it feels to grow a child inside them. Like, men don't have that. And I think it loses them a bit of empathy. Not all men, obviously, but quite a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely easier, isn't it? Like, in nature, I think we're, we're, I suppose men are caretakers in different ways, but women are definitely quite hardcore caretakers yeah exactly for sure and then on to the next subject so final story um tiktok content creators are urging their audiences to quit birth control so this is only a certain segment of them this isn't the entirety um and this comes at a really poignant time when uh, as everyone knows in the whole world millions in the us have just lost abortion access um, and then that obviously has an effect globally thereon um of course this doesn't account for all content creators like i said they're not all saying this um and everyone across the internet we're talking about only a section of them here um they call themselves holistic healers um who have huge reach and audiences on tiktok and 
these kind of patterns of what we're seeing content wise are women urging each other to stop using birth control and be more natural with their contraceptive methods. Um, it's something very individual to each woman. As a majority of us know, I'm sure it affects every woman differently depending on what you take and um, how you kind of work your schedules in that sense. But the hashtag is called hashtag natural birth control. It's been viewed over 30 million times. Um, and many of the highly viewed videos tagged into this call themselves, like I said, these holistic healers um, or hormone coaches is another one that we've seen. Um, so a lot of the time they kind of stare into the camera, calling hormonal birth control toxic, unnecessary. Um, some of them have even claimed that the pill can cause cancer and other serious illnesses. Let's um, remember that these medicines and kind of ways of life now, when people take it so often and um, do live their lives through this and control their birth um, likelihood or not, um, through this, they've, you know, they've they've been sharing their own experiences of getting off of this. Um, yeah, an example, which, like I said, is extremely unique to each person. So it may or may not be the case for someone else. And when you've got a wide audience, it's it's quite dangerous, isn't it? Um, yeah. I thought it was yeah. about people don't seem to realize that they have a responsibility on social media if they have a big following that the things you say go so far and so many people believe them as straight fact that it's quite dangerous to be putting things out there that might not necessarily be great for everyone. Um, mm. But yeah. What birth control are you on? You're not on any, are you? Or are no. you? No. You've tried lots of different ones. I was on a few different versions of the pill and it started giving me really bad migraines. And the GP was basically like, if you get bad migraines on the combined pill, it can basically lead to blood clots. So she was like, you need to come mm. off it straight away. Um, and just because I wanted to get that completely out of my system first, I haven't really gone on anything else, but I think it's just about making the decision that's right for you. Like if you don't want to take a pill, that's fine, but don't put that pressure on other people because I know people that absolutely love the pill, like they swear by it, but some people can't get on with it because they don't remember to take it every day or it makes, oh, like me, it gives them migraines. Like you have to speak to your GP and make a proper educated decision on it rather than going on TikTok and someone being like oh it's toxic it's like okay well it's not necessarily yeah and like people people really believe I mean like you know more than uh, like more than me but like people really of course you know have a lot of trust and these people have a lot of audience and backing and like people really believe what they say so like you say you have to be really careful with what you kind of push yourself towards be it politically be it health wise like this and it can be really damaging I think to talk too much about your own experience like I have the um IUD in my arm and I've had it like I think I've had it for like almost 12 years now you have it replaced every three years and I've had no problems with it I've been really lucky but almost everyone that I speak to either gets consistent bleeding or um you know, really bad hormonal effects overall. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's quite an intense hormonal one, but I would never pledge either way. And particularly if I had a highly engaged audience, it can be quite, it's really damaging, you know, like, but it does make me think like putting all those hormones into my body, even though it doesn't affect me. When I was watching some of these, I was like, 
causes cancer and I thought no like I'm not I'm not that I'm not that kind of brainwashed into just believing everything that I'm told but it does make you think twice when you see people saying about hormones and what you don't understand and for sure all of this when you go on things like tiktok you can so easily get carried away with what you're watching like even like conspiracy theories i'll be like oh my god maybe this did happen but it's like no educate a guest do you know what i mean like someone that something that might work for someone else is not necessarily going to work for you like all of our bodies are completely different like someone could I know someone that had the injection and it made them put loads of weight on whereas and then the doctor was like oh yeah you should never have had this because you haven't got the right body type for it so it's like you have to talk to several GPs or just make an educated decision rather than going off one thing because you heard someone else did it like it's not necessarily going to be good for you because you might not have the right body for it yeah exactly and these are things you probably wouldn't know unless you tried it as well sometimes I'm sure Definitely. Exactly. There's um there's that influencer that I follow who I think she's called Moves with Tara. She's a um a pole dancer, but she often shares lots of different like kind of feminist or interesting subjects around things like this in particular. And I saw actually just before we came on to record that she'd shared one recently saying about how she doesn't use any birth control and hasn't for the last like like 12 years or 10 years or something just hasn't used any birth controls just kind of tracked her periods and been really regular with it um and has never really had any troubles or anything like that through it but then she takes a really interesting good stance on it too because she doesn't say that would work for everyone and of course if you're not taking birth control at all and you know it could be a lot easier to to slip up and then have a pregnancy. And that's why this abortion story is attached to this too. It's um, it's come at a very strange time that people are trying to enforce this. Exactly. And I see there's that um, method as well, isn't there, that everyone's doing that a lot of influencers actually have been promoting it. It's that um, where you take your temperature every day and it's like- Oh, natural, natural cycles. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some people that absolutely swore by it. And then I've heard people that have one day like not taken the temperature or something and then got pregnant. And it's like, exactly. You have to just be so careful with all the methods you take. So, yeah, you just have to be really on it. Jamie. That's also, that's also, uh, I've seen that as well and I've like followed them. But because I was thinking, you know, I've been on this for like 12 years now. I've never really known myself without it. So does that mean to say that, I am hormonal and I could be a lot better, but I don't realize, you know, like, is there, do I even know myself? Because I'm 31 now. And if I've been taking it for that long, like I was, you know, like 20, young teen, like late teens, when I started doing it, like, do I even know my grown up self? Like that's, that kind of comes into my head. And with that, um, the natural cycles thing, I've noticed they lean a lot on, um, well, they, they do an awful lot of influencer partnerships. Have you seen that? All the videos they do. Yeah, I feel like some of our talent might have been asked about it. I can't remember. But I've seen quite a lot of people be doing it on social media. But they always have to put a disclaimer at the end on their caption that's like, um, this only works if you do this, this and this, blah, blah, blah. So like really covering their backs in case someone comes to them with a lawsuit because they've got pregnant. But um, Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine, like, the comments? Like, you worry about any product or any brand. Like, my package didn't turn up on time, like... Yeah, my, my package turned up far too early. 
imagine the worst thing you can get is not like your pocket didn't turn up. By the way, I'm with child. Yeah. <laughs> my package turned up pre-time. In my womb. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 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 I, it does it does interest me though. I think like because you know what I'm like, I li- I don't really like taking too many like medicines or things like that. I quite like the natural lifestyle and that does make me think you are definitely um, yeah (laughs) right I would love that I think that would be way way more for me of this woman giving birth in the sea and I all my first thought was that must be killing her vagina because that dirty salt water when she's literally giving birth horrendous but then I also thought that is so Emma Hooper That is me, actually. I was thinking the other day, like when, when, when it comes to that for me, I will definitely have some sort of water birth, like free, yeah. like calming, holistic candles, chill, like make it as chill. <laughs> we say that now, and I'll be just screaming, like, <laughs> yeah. be like, give me the epidural. Where was that? Um, where was that video that you saw? A woman giving birth in the sea, just random. Yeah, it was this random one. I can't remember if it was like stitched with someone else, like making fun of it, or it was just genuinely I saw it. But I remember me and Lewis we were like watching it, and we were like, "No!" I was like, "Must be <laughs> awful." Like she's acting like she's really at one with the earth. I was like, "Imagine that dirty salt water on your poor vagina trying to get a baby out." Oh, Unless she was just kind of poor vagina, but I'm just like, "No, that would have been killing her." <laughs> Oh, was it definitely real? Yeah, yeah. Was it fake. It was like no. full on pregnant, and maybe she was just pretending she was giving birth. But it looked to me like she was genuinely giving birth. But yeah, crazy. Mm. And then like, there's all this discussion about like men. You know, like that didn't they didn't they create the male pill recently, or like yeah, over the last few years, headaches or something? And they said they didn't want to do it anymore. Oh, <laughs> poor you. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Literally. That's crazy. I, I remember I read something. It was probably like one of those like um, like graphics like feminist people put on their Instagrams like on Independent Women's Day or something. But it was like um, a woman can only get pregnant once every nine months, but a man can impregnate multiple women a day. And yet we're the ones with the responsibility of protecting ourselves against unwanted pregnancies, which is actually so yeah. true. Why do it's we have to? It's pretty true, isn't it? Yeah, And a, a pregnancy, okay, like a woman, you know, carries the baby, of course. And uh, of course, she's a lot more involved in that whole process and everything they're on. And I'm so sure that there's, you know, they're on after that. When you give birth, it's your child. You've spent that amount of time with them. There must be some sort of natural, instinctual bonds for the majority of the time right where you feel that much more strongly I don't know I mean maybe it's bad for me to even give an opinion on it but more so than the man having carried the child but it still affects the man it's still your child like it's still your decision a woman is only bringing one life every nine months but a man how many people could he be bringing into the world like all that social like care and money that's going to be needed to bring all those children in it's like that there's a um sperm donor who had donated sperm to about for 50 children or something I saw like a documentary he'd met all his 50 children from being a sperm donor oh I've seen this yeah if you think about it that's how often I know he's being a sperm donor so but it's like a man could like 
make so many pregnancies. Yeah, yeah, I think like before there was any stop, exactly. before the pill or like like way back way, you know, exactly. this used to happen so much more. Exactly. If you gave, if gave every teenage man a vasectomy and then you reversed it when they wanted to have children, I'm sure the world would be a lot safer place. Oh, that's a very nice quote, isn't it? Yeah. There's going to be loads of men like abusing this podcast now because I've just said that. But <laughs> it's true. Maurice it's will never awesome. come back to it. <laughs> I mean, right, yeah, you, it's it. promiscuous as you want, but you've got no risk of get, having a child. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do whatever you want. Go live your life. Be free. You know, you can have it all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some might say. Some might say. Oh, it's so nice. This was really, really nice to be able to talk about these things in this way. And I think... Um, yeah, it's also really valuable as well and like quite thought provoking for people to be able to come in and think about their own different stuff. I think this this last subject in particular is the kind of overarching thing, right, is that we're saying explore and, and find your own way. Don't just necessarily listen to what we have to say, what anyone has to say, but find what's really unique and, and relevant for you, right? I think that's with most of these things. I think that's social media in general. Like there's so much information out there. Like how do you filter out what's right and what's wrong? And it's just about like getting multiple sources and making your own educated guess on it or like educated decision because you could sit on the internet all day, all night long and get so many different opinions. You basically just need to trust yourself and follow your gut instinct rather than be listening to these random people on the internet that think they know best when really they have no education on the topic. Yeah, exactly. And just one experience as well. And it's not yours. So exactly. What have you got going on this week, Mez Hood? I think we're at the end of the three topics. Have you got anything cool you're looking forward to? I suppose you've got a lot of work on this week, right? We're only at Monday yeah. now. I'm busy, busy, just with work as usual. We'll have our summer party next week, though, which will be really fun. Nice. Um, Where is it? What are you doing? We have a garden. We are basically based in a townhouse in Fitzrovia, our office. So we have a shared garden, a bit like in Notting Hill, um, that we can use. So we're basically having a party in there, which will be really nice if the weather's good. Um, and all our roster's going to come and everyone from the office. So it'll be really nice. Oh, that's so nice. That's really good that you invite them as well. Yeah, exactly. It's really nice to get actually meet them in real life because a lot of the time people don't necessarily live in London or like the surrounding area. So it's nice to get people together that are a bit far further away and actually meet them and see them face to face and yeah, have a catch up. Yeah, a face to the email is always a bit more personal, isn't it? Definitely. For sure. <laughs> what about you? Um, yeah, I've got quite a busy week work-wise. I was in London and Somerset last week, so I'm quite keen to just stay put and get myself back into a routine a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, that's about it really, to be honest. Like, it's just routine and, and work stuff this week. There's nothing really that exciting. I think the heat wave is still very much here in Amsterdam. It's really? fucking hot. It's, oh, wow. Even when it's not sunny, it's humid. Oh, wow. Yeah. Genius. Well, it's quite nice to be a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks, Miss Hood. I think this is really good. Yes, this is great. <laughs> My first ever podcast recording. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> thanks, Bye. darling. Fabulous. <laughs>
Bye. Thanks. Bye.